Hello, and thank you for joining us for our Watershed Sermon Podcast. Watershed is a worshiping community within Harderwijk Ministries. We gather at 9.45 a.m. in the Anchor Building on the Harderwijk campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Watershed community and Harderwijk Ministries, please visit harderwijk.com. So we're coming towards the end of our series in, in this big school year series of Believe um, about our theology proper. So what we think about God and why that matters, especially the implications of it. I want to say thank you for welcoming uh, my friend Jill last week to talk a little bit about the church and who we are. And throughout our series, we're going to talk more about these things Um, But today we're picking up kind of where we were two weeks ago, and that's kind of how this series goes. Sometimes you're jumping around a little bit. But a couple weeks ago, we talked about our identity in Christ. And I had said, you are a child of God, period. And I said, listen, what? Say, I am a child of God, period. Let's just repeat that this morning with me. I am a child of God, period. Right? That is the truth for you. And today we're going we're gonna to jump off of that into the why, how. It, it, how is this possible? It's because of how God sees us, right? That's our question today. How does God see us? Not just me, but you. How does God see the people in this world? How does God look at um, life both here in Holland, Michigan, and how does God look at things going on in the middle of the Middle East right now? How does God look at humanity? What is his posture? Right? What is his, what is his purpose for us? Is there something more? Why does it even matter? Right? The core truth that we're going to talk about today is this. I believe We believe, every time we say, I believe, I want us to understand that we proclaim this as a church. Christians, this isn't just what Aaron believes, it's what we as Christians, if we take on the name of Christ, we believe. We believe that all people are loved by God and need Jesus Christ as their Savior. All people. Not some people, not just people I like, not just people that don't annoy me, right? Who's with me this morning? (laughs) So if you're going to get a little uncomfortable, you might be a little uncomfortable today because when God says all, he means all. I don't care how theologians want to try to get at it, but they just, the, the word that we get in English that's all is in the Greek, all. Woo-hoo! Wow, <laughs> magical. This is our belief. Believe that all people are loved by God and need Jesus. And then we come to that verse, a verse that we see on signs. We'll get to that in just a minute, but this verse that is like, now kind of cliche in some ways, maybe? My question for us is, do we really believe it this morning? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. It's not a reductionary term. It doesn't say, for God so loved the church. For God so loved Christians. God so loved the world, the cosmos, and everything within it. It is his creation that he gave his only one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We see a posture, right? We see how God goes about showing that love. 
and we see that God has a purpose for it. So I want to say, go back to this question, how does God see us? Why is this important? I wonder, if I have an opinion of you, now you may say that doesn't matter, like, okay, ha, 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 right? Like, but but how, think about how often we value our worth and who we are based on the opinion of others, right? Amen? Right, you with me? How often do we look at ourselves and we see all of the ways that, that people, society, others have viewed us? And sometimes even today, we go even because, okay, I'm a Christian, so now I hear everything that people say about Christians, and I now feel like we feel that, don't we? People's opinions of us tend to shape us and tend to give us meaning, worth, and value. And it's really important that if we believe in a God, we understand what this God thinks. Amen? Right? Like if we go back to the Greco-Roman days, we look at the gods that were there and present at the time of the writing of the Bible, right? Who people believed God to be, if God was oppressive, then you better make sure you made that, that, God, that God was happy. If that God was aloof, you wanted to get the God's attention, so you needed to, you know, pander and posture. If that God um, really wanted nothing to do with you, you might then have nothing to do with that God, right? It's not real difficult, but we are always living in relationship with others. As much as we want to be radical individuals in this world, we are interconnected beings. From its very creation, you matter. You matter to me, because you're a human being just like me. I hope I matter to you, because I'm a human being. We're walking this same earth. We might live different lives, but we're living the same life together. And this brings us to John 3 this morning. As we try to answer this question, we hear what John is about to say. John was a follower of Jesus. He was known as the beloved of Jesus. He just got done talking to Nicodemus, a religious leader, who would come in the wee hours of the night. Because if you were a religious leader, you either contended with Jesus or you had nothing to really do with him. There was no real like wrestling with him. And if you did, you kind of did it in the, around the out. You didn't do it in public because, hey, the name of the game is all about your associations and how you look in the world, right? Anybody? That's, I got to make sure I put on an orange shirt today because it's Halloween week. I mean, Reformation Day week there for you. <laughs> he comes to the wee hours of the night and Jesus has this conversation with him about being born again. Nicodemus is like, wait a second. And he's like, Nicodemus, of all people, you're a religious leader. You've, you've taught the scriptures. You should know that this, there's sin in the world. We talked about this even weeks ago in, when we talked about salvation. right? There, there, there's something that's separating us from God. There's God that loves us. And, and so uh, you're going to have to be born again, born again by my spirit. And that's possible. And, and so John then uh, does this little like, summation of, I'm going to say the gospel this morning, the good news of Jesus in a few verses following this conversation with Nicodemus. Let's hear God's word starting in our key verse, verse 16. For God so loved the world, John says, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I think it's important we connect verse 17 here. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Let me say that one more time. God didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to do what? To save the world through him. 
And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. That's already where they were. (laughs) If you don't believe, nothing's changed because they haven't believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Yes, as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. Why? Because he was fully God and fully man. He has the ability to say so and be so for us. Verse 19, this is the verdict. John says, this is reality. (laughs) Lights come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Okay, we've talked about this before. Look around. If the world, if we could get better in and of ourselves, why is the world not better after thousands of years? I know, I got really philosophically deep. No, why aren't we better? If humanity could just improve, then why haven't we improved? Why in the world is the nation of Israel and the Hamas going after, blowing each other up and then blowing up innocent lives in between? Why haven't they figured it out yet? Stop! we can't. How many of you can't stop sometimes doing that dumb thing you just can't stop doing? I say that because that's, that's me. Paul would write in Romans, man, I, I don't do what I want to do and I do what I don't want to do. And Like, this is just reality. No matter how hard we try, I mean, no matter, I mean, we have had brilliant people who have lived for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, and yet humanity continues to show its true colors. I see your true color. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, see, notice I was playing drums today, not singing. John's saying, hey, here's the reality. Light's coming to the world. Jesus has come into the world. God has come into his has come into flesh and blood, and yet human beings, man, we just love the dark. Verse 20: everyone who does evil hates the light. It will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But listen to this: whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. That John actually says, and we say it here, and I said it a little while ago, at Watershed, we believe in the freedom found in the finished work of Jesus. That if you, we put our faith in Jesus, you actually get to come into the light, good, bad, and ugly. And how and why do we get to do that? Why is the church supposed to be the hospital for the world? To accept you warts and all. It's because of God's posture towards us, right? For God so loved the world. But I don't know about you, oftentimes familiarity breeds contempt. Or what is most important starts to be cliche. This guy up here, the Rainbow Man, Roland Stewart. Don't know if you've ever heard of him. He is often the reason why and, and kind of the catalyst for why we have John 3.16 signs in the stands in the late 70s. He started by going, um, this was before he was a Christian, he went out into, into sporting events. Uh, he had a really rough life. By the way, you can go over to YouTube, watch his story. Um, and 
uh, it's quite a story. And I'll only allude to some of it because it's quite a story. He had a really rough life. Um, so he would go to sporting events in a loincloth. Woohoo! How many of you wear loincloths? <laughs> but it literally was in a loincloth and, and, and that, you know, um, I, now I'm just thinking of Madagascar Street. Circus. <laughs> no, no. Right? And he'd go and he'd just dance around and then pretty soon they're not giving him any airtime because here's this half-naked guy dancing around. <laughs> like, um, and, and, and in it all, one night he, he actually saw a televangelist start talking about Jesus and, and God started to change his heart. Holy Spirit came into his life, so he traded the loincloth, put some clothes on, for John 3.16, because he knew he only had seconds if he was lucky at sporting events. And he continued to go to sporting events and show John 3.16, because the love of God had transformed his life. Now, it would be great to say that's how his story ended. Unfortunately, he got really frustrated as time went on. People weren't giving their lives to Jesus by seeing John 3.16, so he became a little militant. That never happens in the church. That never happens with me. I get a little frustrated and then I get a little aggressive? No. Right, he actually started to get more aggressive, so much so that at one point in time, he decided he was going to, by gunpoint, take two people hostage, and then took a third person hostage at the hotel he was bringing the two people to, which has now put him in jail for three consecutive life terms. When he was given the option to take a plea deal to come down to 12 years, he said no, so he could stand up on the court floor and say, for God so loved the world. So he could somehow, in the twistedness, right, not really acting or believing the truth he was trying to tell or representing it, carry a message. Maybe it looks a little more like this, right? How often does that happen? The message about God's radical love that can change our lives, a light that comes into the world to save us, to breathe life into us, that God loves you, turns out to be a joke or a distraction. And then all of a sudden, somebody like Tebow comes around, and we're trying to figure out and how many, I mean, and by all sense of purposes, everything I see, see about Tim Tebow, I've heard about Tim Tebow from people who know, the dude is like solid. He just loves Jesus and wants to live it and use whatever platform he has to be it. That's all I know. And yet what happens? It turns to a joke. Or how about this? Anybody watch WWE? It's just another cliche, another catchphrase. It's not John 3.16, for God so loved the world, Austin 3.16 said, and I'm going to leave that there. My question this morning is, do we really believe the truth that we heard in the Scripture? Do we really believe John 3.16? Do you believe it? Do you believe it about others? Because today it isn't just, you're a child of God, period. Your neighbor's a child of God, period. May ruffle some feathers, but God still loves those who are wrapped up in Hamas. God still loves the nation of Israel. God still looks and loves every person getting caught up on broken streets. 
in the midst of car bombs. Folks, it's not as easy as black or white. It's not as easy as polarized. It's sim- we do that when actually this message doesn't really matter anymore. When we think that God's posture actually towards us or towards others, when it just becomes a cliche. Right? Because God's posture is love. His fidelity, I'm going to use that word, his faithfulness, if you don't know what fidelity is, his radical commitment to the world, that he believes the best in us, will work for the best in us, will make the best of us possible for us, even though he knows the worst of us. That God sees dignity when he sees you. Because you were created in his image, the Imago Dei. You were created to be like him. And he is jealous for his image. And all the while, that dignity, you have that dignity, God still is, knows the reality of our depravity, our brokenness. I'm going to use some quotes from Tim Keller today. I just, he's one of those, uh, those guys that I've said before, I really value um, as a pastor, as a writer, a theologian, things that he said, especially about the gospel. And he says this, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Brokenness penetrates our lives. How many of you have ever been surprised about how (laughs) how dumb you can be? Anybody? Or just by myself? Okay, at least a couple people. (laughs) We are so much more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe. Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Because sometimes we get so lost in our stuff. Right? So identified by our mistake. So identified by what somebody else thinks of us that we can't even hope to be something more. How many of you have ever been in that spot? I know I have. I didn't know what to hope for or that I could hope to be something more. And yet the reality of the gospel, God's posture towards us is love and faithfulness. It's fidelity. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you and me, our neighbor. You know, what's, what was Jesus loves the little children? If you grew up in the church, that was, a little, that was a song we sang, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Right? A gospel message for us, a truth for us. And yet John 3.16 doesn't stop there. God's love, see, what is love if all of a sudden we don't see it backed up by something, right? You can shout it, you can put it on a sign like Roland did. But guess what? Love has oftentimes to be demonstrated, right? we got to see it to believe it. Show it to me and maybe I'll, like, you can speak it, especially in our culture, man. Your words mean, sorry, if you don't realize this or don't know this, I hate to break it to you. Your words mean nothing today. They mean everything and yet they mean nothing. That's what's crazy about our world. What you say can wreck your life and yet at the same time, it doesn't matter what you say. 
Because if you say something I disagree with, then it doesn't matter what you say. I can just dispose of you. If you say something I don't like, I can just cancel you. And we don't live in the middle. We have no tensions. We, have no, we polarize and push. But you know what still speaks today? How you are with others. What you do towards others. And what did God do? He gave himself. His one and only son. God put skin not only on, but in the game. God took on all of humanity, took on all of our flaws and failure, dipped in the waters that washed us clean to take our sin on him, even though he was perfect. I don't know another God that would pay the price for us that we deserve to pay. In a world of retribution, our God says, no. Payback is not how this game works. It's not my way. It's not my kingdom. Keller says the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to earth, right? God took flesh on, came to earth. He lived the life we should have lived. And God has every right to should all over us. <laughs> you, know, you should have, you should have, you should have. Like how many of you love it when somebody tells you, well, you know, you should have just. Don't you think you should have known? Oh, it kind of shames us, doesn't it? it? makes us feel less. It doesn't make us feel more. God had every right to do that. And what does he do? Nope. Nope. I'm not going to shit on you. Even though I live that life, what did he do? He died the death. We should have died. Right? God's love, it's not just his posture, but it cost him something. He's got literal skin in a game. He lived it. He knows what it's like to be put on a cross, to be mocked, to be ridiculed. He knows what it's like to be called a, a, a friend of sinners when that isn't a very nice term. He knows what it's like to not be accepted by good looks. Isaiah would say he wasn't anything special to look at. He knows what it's like to not have much to live trusting in the daily provision of God. He knows what it's like to live in loss. He knows what it's like to live with heartbreak. He knows what it's like to be condemned by others. But he did it so that we could know that God isn't afraid of you. God isn't afraid of me. And maybe we need to not be afraid of our neighbor. Maybe the way the world works is God's way and his economy, not the way the world has continued to show itself, right? The verdict is what? Light came in the world, but the darkness, people continued to live in the darkness. How's that working for humanity? It's amazing that all these, um, these markers throughout history, when we start looking at like the invention of healthcare, who did it come through? Christians, people who believe God loved the world. One of my, uh, one of my professors, um, Vernon and Carlos Sturck, they were missionaries in uh, Chiapas, Mexico. And Vern and Carla actually share a story about how one of the local tribes uh, around them were coming literally with spears and knives to kill them. And what did they do? Did they go out guns blazing? 
They prayed. They prayed. And somehow, what the, these Old Testament stories that, oh, they must be Old Testament. You know what God did? Turned an army around, the local army, the local, that tribe that was ready to take their life, turned them around. Oh, and by the way, some of those people later became followers of Jesus because just because they were their enemy, they took seriously what Jesus said in Matthew 5, that we love our enemy because Jesus said, hey, what is good news? Dude, you love your friends. That's easy. Now, some of us may disagree with that, especially when it comes to family. No, they loved their enemy and lives were changed. Light broke into the darkness. Amazing. But it's costly. To live it is costly. To live it means, you know, when somebody's, when, when you're sitting at a dinner table and people are throwing, the, ooh, they have politics back and forth at each other and you go, you know what, maybe there's a third way. And then you're dismissed from the conversation. You're diminished in the conversation. You don't matter. Oh, you're ignorant. You don't know. Okay? Well, how's that been working for us? But you go, you know what? I'm going to continue to stay in relationship with the people that want to keep pushing me away. It's costly. But for God, it was costly to love us. Why? Because God has purpose in his love. Right? God's love is purposeful. I'm going to bring us back one more time to Pastor Keller, God sees us as we are, loves us as we are, and accepts us as we are. At one point in time, um, if some of you have been in Watershed for um, the almost, really now, 25 years that we've been kind of rocking and rolling here. So, <laughs> I know Pastor Trent, our founding pastor, said this a lot. Right, man? God loves you right where you are. He believes in you, right? God, is, God accepts us. He sees us right where we are. But what? But by his grace, he does not leave us as we are. God loved the world. God loved us so much. And he knows the verdict. He knows how the world works. He knows that we love darkness more than the light. And he actually says, hey, you know what? But I'm going to make it possible for you to come into the light because only in the light can you see. Can you walk around? Can you know what's right and wrong? Can you know what gives life or what doesn't? It's only in the light with me that you, you actually can find out that there's no shame amidst the depravity of your life. There is some guilt, absolutely. But Jesus has taken that guilt and even the shame that says, I'm not worth anything. And he goes, I want to take all of that on me so that you can stand in the light, fully loved as you are, because that's where you are. But guess what? I refuse to leave you that way. My mission, my purpose is to continue to make you into the image that I created you to be in the very beginning. You were meant to be an ambassador for me. You were meant to be a mirror for me. You were meant to be like Jesus to the world for me. God's love has purpose to do more in us, right? Because God doesn't just work for the best in us and just in spite of us. It's because he believes more. He believes 
in your potential? How powerful is it when somebody gets behind you and believes in you more than you even believe yourself? That's powerful. It's radically life-changing. Because that's actually what love does. Love actually looks to the other and sees the potential, doesn't just see the moment. It sees that if I take somebody's life, I am literally taking someone created in the image of God, loved by God, and I better take that into account. Genesis 9, God was very serious when he made the covenant with Noah and said, hey, listen, there's all kinds of stuff going on, but lifeblood shall not be taken from man. Now, we got all kinds of different conversations around when it, is, there, is war ever appropriate on this side of earth. Folks, we can go there, well, let's, let's go grab coffee, okay? We'll, we'll talk, <laughs> But my, 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 my thesis would be this. <laughs> if we actually took John 3.16 seriously, maybe we'd work through the challenges. Maybe we'd work through the disagreements because we see the image of God across from us. We see dignity. And guess what? We're not surprised when people screw up. Why are we so surprised when people mess up? Folks, stop being surprised. People aren't perfect. God doesn't see you as perfect. Stop looking at the world and setting a bar for the world or only certain people that they can't possibly live into without the help of Jesus. And I wonder sometimes without Jesus returning. But in the process, can we begin to believe and actually hold to this truth that I believe? Can you take responsibility this morning and say, I believe? Not we at this moment. I. Because unless we take personal responsibility for it, nothing will change. And that whole, I believe I'm a child of God, right? I, I believe that I, my identity is, is, is a loved, okay, great. So now what? What about your neighbor? And if you can't say it about your neighbor, then you haven't grasped it for yourself yet. Maybe you haven't been honest about the depravity that God sees. And yet the depth of the dignity he sees in you in spite of it. Right? God believes in you, wants the best for you, wants the best for our world, is working for it, makes a way for it. He says, come in. And he does it all while knowing we're going to disappoint him. We're going to let him down. We're going to fail. Wars are going to happen. People are going to continue to love darkness even though the light has come. But God's mission continues. And if we're the church, it's our mission as well. To love the world. And to invite people into knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He's the one who will make the world right. And he's the only one who can. Let's pray. God, help us to know the depths of your love. 
It's got to start there. It's got to start in us before it works through us. So help us once again today to know your posture of love towards us. Father, and then help us to come to grips with the fact that your love was costly. You gave everything, every ounce of yourself. You risked us disappointing you, turning our backs on you. And yet, in the midst of it, you said, nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself. I'm going to take on sin. I'm going to take on brokenness. I'm going to take on their flaws. I'm going to take on their failures. I'm going to take on their hatred. I'm going to take all of the world's sin on me. So that maybe, just maybe, we can taste the light. Father, help us taste the light. And your light had purpose. Lord, you wanted to bring us to life. God, I pray that we, you change our perspective of our neighbors. Lord, I know when I look in the mirror, I have people, God, that I have to, I, I'm, it's much easier to just see them as my enemy, see them as somebody I radically disagree with. And uh, Lord, it's, it's easy when, even now, as we look at wars raging to go, man, I'm going to pick a side and I want them to be gone and I want these people to win. Lord, it's in our nature, it's who we are. But Father, your way is the first way, not a third way, the first way. It's a way of peace. You say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. Lord, and that's going to happen by us changing the way we see even our enemies. So change our eyes, change our hearts, change our motives. Help us to be better representations of you. And when we fail, Lord, help us to know we do that in the light as well. That we lean into your forgiveness, we trust your grace and your mercy, and we're willing to try again, no matter the cost. God, you love the world. You gave your one and only Son that whoever believes in you should not perish, but have eternal life. God, may that be our message this morning because it is your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our watershed community or how to support Harderwijk Ministries, please visit us at harderwijk.com.